I'm Jessica. And I'm Carla. It's been nearly 35 years since we graduated from high school in 1989, and we are getting ready for another reunion next year. We've always had a class that shows up big and comes out in force for our reunions, but we're always left wanting to know more about what each of these cool humans has done since we graduated. And how they've evolved from our classmates back in 89 to the people they are today. Everyone has a story, and we want to capture these stories here for our classmates or for anyone who loves a good story. So tune in to be a part of Jessica and Carla's high school reunion. Hey, Jessica. Hi, Carla. So good to be back in the studio with you. I love seeing your face and hearing your voice. Look, I'm wearing a very um, New Mexico t-shirt. Do you know this store in Santa Fe? Champagne and chocolate. How have oh, I no. never Hashmere. heard of Cashmere and chocolate. Cashmere and chocolate, two things I love. No, exactly. Who doesn't love them? <laughs> <laughs> I always go every time I'm back in Santa Fe. It's right by the shed. Okay. Yeah, I love the shed. So I, I, bread. I know. With your... Right enchiladas and then go to cashmere and chocolate okay next time i'm in santa fe that's my plan (laughs) so i am because i spent some time editing the last recording many times and had to listen to it many times Mm -hmm. there were a couple things that i just thought were so funny and the first was we begin and you have this Great way of welcoming everyone. And it's a typical Jessica kind of welcome. (laughs) Then I heard it again and again. And all I kept thinking about was the character in the Hunger Games when she welcomes everyone. Right. (laughs) Elizabeth Banks's character. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So then I started to think if we had to pick one of our classmates if we were all in a big Hunger Games competition, right? who would it be? Hmm. Who would you choose? And you can either think about it from today, like the people who are clearly, you know, badass, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. or maybe think back on, on them in high school. So one thought that came to my mind is, survivalist type folks right you have to be able to you know start a fire climb a tree or whittle a stick to make a arrow or whatever and I was thinking about the Kelleher twins yeah yeah that they'd probably be out there being able to survive on a handful of peanuts and raisins indefinitely Exactly. exactly I mean I when right out of college, the two of them were co-deans of faculty at Summer Ridge, Fort Worth, and they challenged themselves to use no electricity in their apartment the entire summer. 
This was mm -hmm. in Fort Worth. It was super, super hot. They didn't even have the water heater on. <laughs> and it wasn't for money. The yeah. utilities were covered. Yeah. So that, that's why my brain went to the Kellehers, but they're not cutthroat. And right. I feel like, but you know, Katniss wasn't cutthroat. No, not by nature. I think she became cutthroat in the circumstances right. and she had the skills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was interesting when I was reflecting on this question myself, I was thinking about back in the day, someone who was really hardcore um, was Joanna Garcia. I don't know if you remember oh, yes. But she went to the Naval Academy, and I mean, I remember she came back and she could do crazy push-ups, and and she just kind of had this sort of tough side. Mm -hmm. she very smart too, very very smart, and she was a debater. Yeah, so uh, quick on her feet, had that pen twirling thing really down. That oh. would definitely come in handy. And then my other thought was, I wonder now, thinking about people today, I'm wondering, you know, Mark Thompson has become this kind of crazy hiker, rock climber, extreme. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, like, you know, he might have the, he might have the great race. At yes. Least. The agility, the endurance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I am definitely <laughs> not winning if it relies on coordination, physical stamina. <laughs> no, I would have been sacrificed instantly. Me too. I'd be like, yeah, don't even bother with that one. I think you may have been able to 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 get some allies for a while, but I I didn't. I don't think I had long. <laughs> no, both, both of us have done a lot of fundraising in That's our true. lives, and I think that you know attracting sponsors true. is something that that we've done in other arenas. True. True. No pun intended. Other arenas. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I love that thought. <laughs> so the second thing I was thinking is that we didn't talk about our podcast song, oh. um, which, of course, has come from our very wonderful classmate, Matt Greenberg. Matt Greenberg. So um, we reached out to Matt um, to talk, to sort of ask him if he would be willing to write a song for us. And he said, actually, I have a great piece for you. And so it is It is actually going to be our, our theme music. So I'm really excited. And I don't think I gave him credit, but our opening piece of music is by Matt Greenberg. I love that. He's so mm -hmm. talented. And yeah. the piece, I think, is perfect for the vibe we're going for. Yeah, We wanted something kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Definitely an 80s vibe, which he said is really his wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was really fun for him to send me a bunch of great pieces and we got to pick. So generous of him. Yeah. Loved it. Love it, love it. Yeah. But today we actually have our very first guest. <laughs> the pioneer interviewee. So do you, want, do you want to start by telling what... A little bit about what you sort of remember about our sure, guests. Sure, sure. Today we are going to interview Mark Tafoya. Mark, uh, Mark was one of the classmates who started at our school in sixth grade mm -hmm. and finished with all of us in twelfth grade, mm -hmm. and he was really into theater. 
um, and debate, but was probably in every production <laughs> his entire high school career. Yeah. And, and on top of that was a really talented writer, um, very smart guy. When he graduated, went to Yale and has done some really interesting things over his over his life since then, which we're going to get to hear about. And I have I have questions. Yeah. I mean, when I think of Mark, I think about him kind of in the green room. Mm hmm. Um, and yeah, just also just really, really bright and animated and funny. And mm -hmm. I can't remember all that well if he had a sort of a, a group of close friends that he hung out with um, in high well, school. I think we, we could ask him about this, but my recollection is he had close friendships with some of the uh, students who were older than we were, partly through, probably theater. mostly through the theater program and the, and the debate program. Um, but yeah, I think absolutely. If I had to pick a location to spot him, it would definitely be the green room. Yeah. And I will say he's had a, a really interesting, he, I'm sure he'll tell us all about what he's been doing for the last 35 years, but today he's doing um, a lot of interesting work and primarily works as a personal chef, I believe. Mm -hmm. so he's one of those people who cooks huge amounts of amazing food and distributes it. And um, so and not in the theater anymore, but definitely still pursuing create creative arts. That's right. That's right. And posting about it on social media and making us all <laughs> wish we had that yeah, sort of <laughs> in our lives. Yeah. And I've been lucky to see him a few times. I've seen him in New York City and mm -hmm. I've seen him when he's come out to San Francisco too with his husband. So that is so cool. Yeah. I don't know that he's made it to Austin, but if he does, I will I would love to host him. And Mark did I hope you remember this, for one of our reunions, made both munch pudding and real birds. <laughs> so when we ask that question, yes. he have to, he'll have a lot to say. About he the will have a lot to say. Mark's been very involved in keeping up with our class yes. since we graduated. Yes. Um, I think he would say he feels a strong connection to the community, which so awesome. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to talk to him. Me too. Okay. Welcome, Mark. Woo! Mark DeFoya, our very brave first interviewee for the podcast. We are so excited to talk to you. We're grateful that you're willing to help us figure this out. Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm, you know, I, 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 I wish I could say it was the first time I was someone's first, but... Uh... <laughs> Well, we can't wait to hear more about that. <laughs> Maybe that will come up. <laughs> it might, we might revisit. <laughs> We'd like to start with a really broad question, which is, what have you been doing for the last 35 years? Oh, my gosh. What haven't I been doing for the last 35 years? I feel like I'm one of those people who did, who I thought I was going to have a really um, straight career trajectory, right? And I think a, probably a lot of people also thought that they would or that I would, right? Because it was very clear since high school, I wanted to be an actor. That's what I wanted to do. Oh. And I was going to do that, mm -hmm. right? And I did that. And literally, that was like one of the first things I did when I graduated from college. You know, I 
although I, you know, I got a day job. I moved to New York. I, I taught French at a girl's school, but I was going to be an actor, right? And I did that. And mm-hmm. for like 10 years, I did the life of a New York actor. And I did just every little thing you could do. I did a couple Broadway shows. I, you know, did some independent films. I did that whole thing for 10 years. I did the slog. And then it was just like, okay, now what now? Because it wasn't going the way I thought it was going to go. You know, and I think a lot of people experience that 10 years in, you know, they're like, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. And I never had the expectation that it would just go smooth sailing. It would be in one straight direction. But what I, what I didn't realize was that I was going to take so many kind of interesting twists and turns on my career because I never would have planned that I would have become a professional chef. I never would have planned that I would do, you know, interesting things in podcasting, you know, which, which it's funny, like everyone now has a podcast. Everyone's doing podcasting. It's really easy to do podcasting. I was one of the first to do a podcast, like back in 2004, no, 2005, early 2005, I started my first podcast and then we did a whole podcast network. And for like three or four years, that was my full time occupation. I was traveling the world, making food and wine stories and videos and doing all that stuff. And then 2008 happened and the crash and then like the bottom just fell out of that burgeoning business. Now, big media companies came in, they figured out all this stuff. They got a lot of celebrities doing podcasts. So now it's like this huge thing. But I was like right on the very beginning of all of that. And so that fell through. And it's like, okay, well, I went back to personal chefing, did that for a while. And, you know, for a very short time, I was a private chef. And then that didn't quite work out because I was, you know, working for a very infamous, notorious person and got out of that and then went back to just, again, just doing a regular personal chef gig where I had my own business and lots of different clients. And now all these years later, I'm doing the private chef gig again. So, you know, I'm working for one family, cooking their meals, doing a specialized um, uh, medically supervised meal plan for my clients. Uh, and I work with mm-hmm. a nutritionist and I work with their doctors and we like document all the meals and, you know, all of this. And so, and it's, I never thought that I would like just having a full-time regular job, like being a civilian, you know, like just having a job job <laughs> as opposed to like always figuring out where my next gig was going to be. But I love it. I really like the, you know, at the age of 52, finally, I have a job. Um, and it's stable <laughs> and it's like a, like a W I have a W2 can you imagine like a W2 um after all these years of being completely freelance and on my own right it's kind of crazy so that's where I'm at I'm so curious I love to hear all those stories I feel like I could dig into every single one of them and I'm I'm sort of curious when you made the decision to um to stop acting what what was the what was that like for you? Like what was the thought process? What was the what was the sort of internal dialogue you were having and what were oh some God. of the things you were sort of thinking about? Yeah, it's um you know, it had been such an important part of my identity for so long mm-hmm. that yeah, you get tied up and then you go like everyone knows me as this and if I stop doing it, I'm they're going to think I'm a failure. Like I couldn't hack it. I couldn't handle it. Um, So there was that going on. But the biggest factor was I was starting to be bitter. Like I was really starting to 
resent the process and resent the people in the process and resent the the results and you know i was second guessing myself i was second guessing other people i was one of those actors who would go to a play and be like oh i i was i was up for this role i could have done way better you know and it was like i found myself starting to become that bitter actor who you know you know that like in 20 more years he'd be sitting at the end of a bar just bitching you know? <laughs> you know just complaining to how to everyone who would listen about how it should have been this way or should have been that way and i said you know i want to get out yeah. before that happens i said i wanted to get out before i became that bitter actor you know that guy um and and so i just said okay uh i remember there was there there was that that classic advice of if, if there's anything else you can do, do it. If there's nothing else you can do, then be an actor, you know? And that's a weird advice to give someone, but it really is like, if that's the only thing that you're good at, the only thing that you want to do, then you should give it 100% and do it. But if you have other talents, if you have other interests, by all means, you should pursue them. And so, and that was in the back of my mind too. And I'm like, oh, I have tons of other interests. I have lots of other things I'm interested in. And I've done this. Like I have, I was very fortunate to say I was in two Broadway shows, right? Like right. most actors can't even say that. So I'm like, if there's any question about whether I actually did what I set out to do, like, no, there's no question. Like I did it. So I can set it aside now and go, okay, let me do something else. And I didn't know what, what to do. Feel- like I had no idea what that was going to be. Right. How did you land? How did the pivot to? So, <laughs> so it's one of those things that was in the back of my mind. I always said, look, if I hadn't, if I hadn't become an actor or if I hadn't, you know, gone to Yale and d- done what I did, I might have, gone into cooking like I might have gone to culinary school and then maybe mm-hmm. run a restaurant or something and it was one of those kind of haha things that I would say in the background and I never really mm-hmm. took it seriously because I didn't do that like I didn't go to culinary school I don't have any formal culinary training um but how how it actually happened was a friend of mine had bought a, a summer house in Fire Island and he said look you're in between stuff just come out for the summer stay in the house and be like the major domo, like run the house. I want, you know, he was a, you know, he was a, he ran a hedge fund. So he would work all day. And then he was like, I want to come out of the office at five o'clock and there'd be a party in my house. And I said, okay, no problem. We can do that. We can do that. Um, so that's, that's what it was. So I ran the house and he had this beautiful kitchen. And because I always loved to cook, it was a passion of mine. It was never a professional aspiration. It was just something I liked to do, but I found myself cooking a lot and there were a lot of guests around and they were like, this is amazing. What's next? And I'm like, oh, well, it'll be Moroccan night or we're going to do tapas or it'll be, you know, an Asian thing. And I just was doing more and more of that. And people were like, you really should do this full time. And I was I remember this really well. I was laying by the pool one day in the afternoon, reading through a food magazine, looking for recipes. And in the back of the magazine, there was an ad for the USPCA, the United States Personal Chef Association. And they had a one-week course on how to become a personal chef. And the ad, it was very clear. They were like, we're not going to teach you how to cook. You already know how to do that. We're going to teach you how to turn this into a business. 
And then the, the weird kind of kismet part of it is that the USPCA was headquartered in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. And I said, oh, no. what? <laughs> That's perfect. Weird. So I'm like, okay, this is like I mean, kismet. That- that's weird for so many reasons. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It just so happened that that the founder of the USPCA, Dave McKay, just decided, you know, like so many people from the East Coast decided to move to Rio Rancho because it's cheap and it's warm and it's an easy place to live. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's that does it. That tells me that that's that this is the next thing for me. <laughs> so I did that, and that was that was literally twenty years ago. Yeah, oh I joined. God. I took their little one week class. And I hung out my shingle and I started doing it. And, you know, luckily a lot of the friends of my friend uh, who I had cooked for in that first summer became some of my early clients. Um, And I started doing weekly meal prep for people. I started doing dinner parties. And I literally just kind of taught myself how to do all that, you know, um, over time. And little by little, a lot of um, trial and error, uh, a lot of error. (laughs) And New York has been home for you since you graduated, graduated from college. right? Yeah, yeah. What is it about New York that's that's drawn you and I kept just, you? I love it. I mean, it's just so, there's that, you know, all the cliche of the vibe and the energy and the beat. and But in a literal sense, there's, the arts are here. The theater is here, the opera, a lot of music, like, you know, and it's just so much going on and and also nothing going on. It's not like there's events it's just the city is interesting. And I like the idea of just, I mean, you know, half of the time you're, you know, there's like kids playing outside making noise or the Mr. Softy truck or uh, in my neighborhood, I live uptown in Inwood, which is the very, very top of Manhattan. Um, You know, it's the fireworks. As soon as it's good weather, there's fireworks, you know? So it's a little wacky and crazy, but the, the thought that you could go any, like, you know, I was a little bit late to this call today because Joe Biden is in town and Fifth Avenue was closed, you know, like there's always something happening here, you know, and that's true of a lot of cities, but there's just something about New York that I don't know, I, I needed to be here to be in the theater and I liked it for that reason. And once I was out of the business, it was just like, there was no question I would stay here, you know? Um, I mean, it's funny because for many years I've always thought, well, if I lived in any other city in America, it would be San Francisco. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the shine has kind of fallen off of that city in the last yeah. few years. I mean, it's really sad. It's, it's, <laughs> I live awfully close to San Francisco, so I, yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's really sad what's happened there. But no, I just, and, uh, and you know, I go back to Albuquerque a lot, but I don't know that I would want to live in Albuquerque anymore. You know, it's just it's hard. I think we all have that, like, we love going back. We love visiting our family. Uh, we have our connections there, but it's just, it's not exciting enough. <laughs> it's not awesome. Or yeah, fair, yeah. For sure. <laughs> or, you know. I'm sort of curious if you could maybe tell us maybe a couple of moments or things about your life that have sort of unexpectedly really given you just a lot of joy. Well, literally the most unexpected thing and just like you would never, like if you saw this in a screenplay, you would roll your eyes, but literally, so, um, one of the things I left out that I that I did for a few years, that I have done off and on for a few years is um, I work uh, with the State Department as um, as a cultural affairs kind of uh, like on the Speakers Bureau, right? So they have all the different divisions and all the different um, countries are able to bring in speakers to that country to talk about anything to do with U.S. culture or U.S. life and to help. Um, 
with business and stuff like that. So I, I first many years ago did a project in Indonesia and uh, it was a blogger podcaster thing. Right. And, and it was like, because it was co-sponsored by the state department, they wanted to bring in an American podcaster to kind of, you know, be on the panel. Right. And then, so the guy who ran that for the state department, then a couple of years later uh, was stationed in Kazakhstan and he was the bureau chief. He was the cultural affairs officer. So he created this whole program in Kazakhstan and he brought me over. And, uh, and it was funny because it was exactly 10 years ago, this like at the end of May. Uh, so it's coming up, right? The 10 year anniversary of this, which uh, I, I had my college reunion. We partied all night long. I woke up on Sunday morning and one of my classmates was like, Mark, there's something wrong with your eye. And he knew because he's a ortho, uh, he's a uh, optical surgeon, right? He's like an eye doctor. He was like, "There's something. Is that normal for you?" I said, "No, it's really weird." He said, "I think you have Bell's palsy." He said, "You need to get to the to the hospital right away." Bell's palsy is that thing that attacks the optical nerve and it like freezes half your face. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, we had a, we had a, a teacher in in high school who had that for a while. We did. We had a teacher um, and it, I was like, "Oh mm-hmm. my god!" So I I I went to the the doctor, I did that. And I was freaking out because literally the next day I was supposed to fly to Kazakhstan. So I, they gave me the pills. They wow. did the treatment. You know, my face was kind of all right. I flew to Kazakhstan. <laughs> and while I'm there, I meet the most amazing person who is now my husband. Right. <laughs> and that's Eldar. Right. His name is Eldar. And uh, and we met on a certain notorious gay dating app which is worldwide, um, you know, and, you know, we had a date and was like, oh my God, this is an amazing guy. And I invited him to come visit the U.S. And as luck would have it, he had been to the U.S. like three weeks before and his visa was still valid. Yeah, I said, well, come back. He said, I can't come right away because my brother's getting married in three weeks. I said, okay, well, come right after that. And literally the day after his brother was married, he came to the U.S. Oh and uh, and as luck would have it, the Windsor decision came down at the same time. It was possible for us to get married and for that to be recognized because up until that point, it wasn't recognized by the federal government. Um, so I said, look, let's get married. I, it seems rash and crazy, but that's how you can stay here. And then we can see if this really will work out. And then look, if it doesn't work out, you know, no harm, no foul. Uh, you know, you can always go home, right? And he agreed, and he still hasn't gone home. Uh, well, he's he's gone home, but he hasn't <laughs> left. You know, now he's an American citizen. Now we've been together ten years. Um, you know, oh like gosh. it's wonderful. He's actually going on Friday home uh, to visit for the first time in a couple years, um, and is, and for the first time as a U.S. citizen. And he and part of his visit is to renounce his Kazakh citizenship. Like he has to actually go and oh. fill out some forms. And he did this thing here in the in the states, but he has to do something at the you know at the police station there to fully renounce his Kazakh citizenship. Um, so yeah, so that's that that was joy and totally unexpected. And, um, you know, at the age of 42, um, you know, I had been in a long-term relationship. Uh, you, you both had met my former partner and, you know, it was like, okay, let's see. I don't know if it's going to happen again. And, you know, it did, um, amazingly. Right. And I know you can relate Jessica. (laughs) It's fantastic. What a great story. I loved it. And imagine how close you came to not meeting oh him God. or without 
Well, she came to not yeah. going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I had, if I had not gone because of the palsy. Yeah. No. And and the funny thing is, like, he met me with a frozen face. So I said, either there was something about me that was beyond my looks, or <laughs> or maybe it improved it my looks. money. It was your money. <laughs> I don't know. The other weird, crazy, coincidental thing about that is that we figured out that since he had been in New York a few weeks prior. Um, this only happened like a couple of years later, uh, for whatever reason, we merged our photo accounts, like all of our different, and they all, and you know how everything is done by date. And I was looking at this one date and it was the date that I got my visa at the Kazakh, um, consulate. And the very, and the timestamp was, was identical for another photo. Eldar was in a cab going up Madison Avenue, passing the building where the consulate is and took a selfie in the cab at that very same moment that I took the selfie with my visa. And, it, and the only way we ever discovered that was because we merged these two photo streams and the timestamp was exactly to the minute on those two photos. And I was like, you were passing me and we didn't know each other. And then we met a few weeks later, halfway across the world. Like that is insane. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. What a wonderful yeah. story. So, yeah. so great. So incredible. Yeah. I, uh, so, I love a lot that. Of joy. The universe delivers, the universe delivers when 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 it's the right time and all sorts of signals you get and you might not know their yeah. signals yeah and then you just have to be willing to listen or or take the action um most people wouldn't yeah. they would say oh this is crazy i just met you you know um there's a song right, right? i just met you but here's my number <laughs> so call me maybe so you did call me right so, so come over to the u.s and get married so that, that's a good thing yeah that's fantastic. Well, I'm so yeah. happy for you. And, you, you know, like I said, Jessica, you, I know you can relate, right, <laughs> to have, like, a, a an unexpected romance later on. You know? Like, wow. That's right. And and I and I met my husband online, too. So, yeah. gotta, I'm grateful for where, however it gets yeah. here. That's great. Exactly. <laughs> you guys make it sound really good, but I think you I'm should stick, stick with, with the, the same guy. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> if it ain't broke. Right? <laughs> Oh, well, don't worry. There's always the ups and downs in any yeah, relationship. No, totally. <laughs> this is true. So now that you have a, a more regular job, nine to five, what do you do? What, is, what are the get to do things in your life? I get to do all kinds of day tattoos day. on myself. That's my latest thing. <laughs> I'm doing, I'm, I'm just, I'm, ex I'm having yeah. fun. Yeah, I'm tell us about that. Yeah, tell us your favorite. Yeah. What's your favorite? So, um, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, I had, I got, I had a tattoo in college. One tattoo I got on my leg of Jean Cocteau's Orpheus. Right. I was so, I thought it was so like sophisticated. Right. Um, and I never got another <laughs> tattoo again for twenty some years. Um, and then mm -hmm. I don't know about a, a year ago. I just thought, you know, it's time for another one. Um, and you know. They, they haven't stopped. <laughs> I've just been getting a lot. So I have, um, the, the first major one I did was, was I have um, an armband basically that goes all around my forearm. Oh, cool. And it's nine different uh, images of David Bowie um, that I designed. Oh, cool. And then I said, well, I have to have one on the left 
uh, to, to match it. And I did nine, let me see, nine different characters from Star Wars, you know, and oh, Star yeah. Wars method, right? Those are great. Um, and then cool. I had to get the portrait of my two cats and my dog who passed away a couple years ago on my arm. And, um, and then, yeah, and then just this week I got these culinary related tattoos. So I have a chef knife and I have a, a, a hatch green chili here. Which actually, right. this this the design of it comes from a pen and ink uh, drawing that my mother did of uh, a bunch of hatch green chilies. And I said, if I'm going to get a chili, I want to get my mom's chili on there. So I had the guy do it exactly oh. as is, right? And then, yeah, and then a whisk. And I've got some Very cherry cool. tomatoes and a frying pan and some asparagus. And yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Tattoos are so much prettier now than yeah. they used to be, too. They used to be like blue ink, and now it's like yeah. vibrant colors. Yeah. Do you sense that you're going to be like an Adam Levine at some point? Well, it's just sure. gonna be everywhere. And then we'll see after that. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. Maybe it's, I, I wouldn't call it a midlife crisis because it's not like, it's not like I need to act out to be young. I just like, Oh, it's something that I'm interested in doing now, so I'm doing it. And you know, obviously, in our culture, it has become much more accepted than it used to be. And uh, it used to be like, yeah, I mean, certainly like in corporate, it's like, oh, you you can't have them anywhere that anyone can see. <gasps> oh my god! And now you just see everyone has them. I mean, everyone has them now. It's not really right. Yeah, yeah. I think in in uh, Portland, Oregon, where I spend a lot of time, it's just part of like the barter economy. It's like you know, I'll be your barista, and you can be my tattoo artist, and you can be my mixologist. And really, those are the only three careers you, you just need in pray. Portland. Go in a circle, right? Long. Yeah, coffee, tattoo, and uh, what was the third? Cocktails. There you go. Mixologist cocktails. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh. <laughs> well, you know we. We did not want to design this um, podcast to be about high school and kind of all, let's just talk about the good old days and reminisce and the glory days of high school. But, you know, we do want to kind of take a little tour to the tour okay. back to those to days. The class of 89. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so when you think about high school, what stands out in your memory? <sighs> The Mesa. <laughs> I just remember like, mm -hmm. the, you know, the vastness of the space that was around us in high school and how and the various ways in which we use the Mesa um, in high school. You know, it was like mm -hmm. the place you would go to party, you know, clandestine meetings, uh, you know, you go running mm -hmm. out there. But it was just so I mean, right now, just that's I mean, that's not the you know, the biggest thing I think of, and I think of high school, but just like, wow, I remember we had, like, we didn't go to some urban school. We didn't go to like a, a neighborhood uh, school. Like we had this vast space around us. Um, and you know, I can, I totally relate to that because when I go back to Albuquerque, I, I feel like I can breathe in a way it's calming yeah. to me how much space there is. And like you, I went to college in Connecticut and I remember feeling claustrophobic when I got there because of all <laughs> yeah. the trees. Like I can't yeah. see the horizon. 
it was weird to me. And so I, I totally understand that idea that, you know, you think about that time, the landscape. Yeah. And it was this huge physical campus and it's even bigger now. Like there's more buildings now even. Right. And it was this amazing physical space for that school, you know, which was really cool. But, you know, to answer like the, my thoughts about how, you know, it's funny. I, I was a closeted gay kid in high school. But it was like, yeah, everyone knew. But that, so it's like during the time I thought, ugh, like I did well in school. I was prominent in school, but I was this closeted kid, you know? Um, and I always, I, I, you know, I was also one of the, you know, uh, the scholarship kids, you know, like I always felt like everyone had money except for me. <laughs> Of course, now I realize, mm -hmm. no, a lot of people didn't have money, <laughs> you know, um, a lot of the, certainly well, not, not New York money, Jeez. <laughs> the people I work for, you know, it's just insane. But, um, no, it's like, I, I, I really felt like an outsider. And then years later, I'm like, oh my God, like it was such an amazing accepting group of people. Everyone is so wonderful. Even like the people that I hated in school, I'm like, I look at them now and I'm like, that's a cool person. And like, and we've, and not only, mm. oh, is that a dude I could have a drink with? But like a dude I have had drinks with, you know, like, mm. wow. Mm. Like we had a yeah. cool vibe. Like it could have been so much worse. <laughs> you know, it could have been so much worse for me, yeah. you know? Um, but it is like, I, I, I do think like, what if I hadn't, what if the time had been different, right? Like, obviously, it's easier to be out now. It's easier to be different, right? And there's still that struggle, but it's not like it was. I mean, even, even our teachers were in the closet back then. You know, again, we all knew that, you know, that teacher was a lesbian or that one was gay. But, you know, the, even that they had to be in, in the closet, right? You know, and it's just a whole different era. And I'm so glad for it. But um, the only kind of like, you know, would would you rather it be, it would have been nice to go back and and be like, it's okay. Like, it's going to be better. It, like, you don't have to try so hard. You don't have to prove yourself to everyone. You don't have to, you know, be the smart kid because you're the poor kid, you know? And that was like so much of my experience in school. Like I, I so felt like I had to prove myself all the time. Um, and then, you know, as you get older, you realize I didn't have to do any of that. I didn't have to waste so much energy to prove myself to all these other really cool people, you know, <laughs> who probably also were wasting a lot of energy trying to prove themselves, you know? And maybe that's a lot of that is just high school. Maybe that's just adolescence. Um, but for me, I, that, I think that's one of the things I think about. Like, it was great, but it could have been even greater if I, if I didn't have that constant sense of, like, needing to prove myself. Right. Yeah. You can look back now and think, I really <laughs> could have enjoyed that. A little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah. A little but bit it, more. And it is interesting that, um, I mean, you certainly were a high performer in so many arenas on mm -hmm. in school academically theater um, theater the debate program you know mm -hmm. i mean i was editor really of the yearbook <laughs> and i mean uh, and editor of the yearbook i mean 
And it's interesting how you never seemed exhausted. You seemed energized by all of that. And obviously, there was a lot more to that story yeah. than we knew. Yeah, yeah. No, behind it, there was this drive, this need, you know. Um, and it's cool to have discovered, like, oh, like, okay, that's nice. You know, I could give that up, right? You don't need to prove yourself mm-hmm. anymore, right? And, uh, you know, maybe some people haven't discovered that. I mean, I hope by now we all have. I mean, gosh, you know, we're 52, <laughs> you know, so I hope most of us have discovered that. We're only on the decline. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. No, no, I don't know. that. <laughs> My attitude is if I haven't proved myself by this point, yeah. too late. Yeah. Well, but I, even more important, it's, it's, but it's giving up the need to prove yourself is more important than, oh, but you, you know, as if you proved yourself. No, because it's like that you won't get off the cycle if, you, if you're like, oh, I proved myself. I did all this great stuff. It's like, no, that's the whole point is to discover you don't need to. <laughs> you're fine just as you are. Well said. That's right. That's yeah. right. So we have kind of a list and we're going to do like a flash round. We have like a flash okay. round of questions that are about high school if you don't want to answer it you can always pass (laughs) and you don't have to go into great detail but you can give us maybe a couple sentences about each but if you only have one word that's all you want to give that's fine too but if you have a little story that's okay so i was gonna say if there's a phenomenal story don't hold back (laughs) shoot (laughs) okay so who was your high school crush beth peone You know, I dated her brother. I know. <laughs> we went prom I know. Right, that's pretty yeah. funny. Okay. But wait, hold on. Before you go to that question, before you go on, that's one of those interesting things, talking about proving yourself. Because, you know, he was one year ahead of us and he got all the great roles in all the plays and I wanted to get those roles. And he was like my nemesis. And it was insane that I would like, create in my mind that this talented, funny guy would be my nemesis because he was a nice guy, you know? Um, it was like, that's that, that's like exactly that, like, oh my God, you know? And he, he went on to become a professional actor. I went on to become a professional actor. It was like, you know, that's cool. But it's so funny, like the, the, mm-hmm. the compete, like you have to compete against people. And it's like, yes, there's 105 people in our class, 500 and some people in our school. It's not the world. <laughs> it's not the whole friggin' world. <laughs> Just wait till you get to New York. You know? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, okay. Right. Yeah. Next question. Munch pudding or veal Both. Both. Because I'm, I'm a lifer. Okay. So I think like the first week of sixth grade, I had both of them. Um, and it's just one of those weird things. Like I've never heard of either since Albuquerque Academy. I think they were just Marge Lagore's invention or Lou, Lou, uh, wait, was it? It was Lou. Lou Lagore was the chef, right? Yeah. So he just invented these weird, this weird dessert and this weird kind of, you know, non-bird bird. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember, but at one of our, our last reunions, I actually made them for, for a party. It was a disaster. It was a disaster. They weren't any good. And it was so much work. I don't know what they did to make those. Were they good? Were they good in school? I think they phased them out. Probably. I don't know. But I think for, for for those of us lifers, it was just like, it was just a thing. You know, it was like, 
there are things you eat because you eat them <laughs> and that's it. So I don't know. Yeah. I, well, I don't remember Veal Birds making it to the end of our high school career, but I know that we were still having munch yeah. pudding as seniors. Yeah. And I know that some of the folks in our class would paint the bottom of the little juice glasses with munch pudding. Yes, and, and wait till they the would table. fall, right? Like at, at eventually at some point, the gravity okay. or dry or the dryness Eventually. would just cause them to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, geez. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Sorry, we're not doing the one word thing here, Carl. I do remember one disaster this time. Go ahead. I was waiter in in seventh grade. I was waiter, and um, and I brought in, and I and we had something that had gravy that day, and I spilled the entire thing of gravy all over my own coat. <laughs> that was draped over the back of the chair oh. and, and I, and for the whole rest of the, and it was winter and for the whole rest of the day, we, you know, we tried to clean it as best as we could, but literally I smelled of gravy for the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> it was, oh it was God. disgusting. Yeah. Patties yeah. or something like that. Oh, the worst. <clears throat> Too funny. <laughs> okay. So what clothing brand did you rep? in school, I, I couldn't like I was so jealous of those who could I just you know I got whatever I got you know got did it. you drive a car in high school I did I actually so my um so I worked in summers I worked at um at Kears Incorporated which was a painting company in Albuquerque right um okay. and I was their shop kid so I would run around and you know help them help the mechanic work on the trucks and I would cool. like restock the paint for the painters and I would just do all, I would, you know, go get the dry cleaning for the boss and this and that. And out of that first summer, I earned enough to buy a 1977 Datsun 710. It was a piece of garbage. And I think it cost <laughs> me like $700 or 800 bucks, but it was my own money. I bought it. My dad helped me like get the title and everything. And I drove it from sophomore year and junior year and about I think it was like halfway through my junior year I was driving to school I was driving up up um, what would later become Paseo del Norte right and some truck just came out of nowhere and sideswiped me and I was fine the car worked but then for the next six months you couldn't get in the driver's the the um, the the passenger door. It was just smashed in. So what happened was we got the insurance money, and I just kept the insurance money and kept driving the car. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't like, you know, get a new car or anything. And then eventually, my dad got a new car, so I got his Volvo. Um, so I drove that blue Volvo senior year. I was like, "Woo, I've arrived." <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, what was your high school song or kind of a band maybe that you listened to a lot too? That's when I discovered David Bowie. Oh. Like, yeah. So it was, it was, when was it? In 1984, the Tonight album and the song Blue Jean. And he did that music video where he had his face painted in this interesting shaded way. And it was this cool, uber cool thing. And we had drawing class, right? Where we had to do the, the, the pencil drawings. And I did a drawing of that image of David Bowie with the shaded face and all that. And, um, and that's actually one of my tattoos there. It's upside down there. But, you know, um, that was when I discovered David Bowie. And I've just been a huge David Bowie fan. Got turned up notes. 
but but all of the like British new wave, you know, Duran Duran, and I know Carla, you and I were at a Duran Duran concert <laughs> together a few years ago. Um, you know, right. like all of the all of the typical Brit, you know, Brit pop new wave kind of stuff was my was my yeah. Yeah. awesome awesome. Well, shifting gears back in back into the school, what high school teacher who had the greatest impact on you as a teacher in high oh, school? Oh God, that's hard because it, it's a it's a toss up between Mickey Prokopiak and Barbara Reback, right? For different reasons altogether, right? Um, sure. You know, Mickey was the drama teacher. I knew him since sixth grade. He like he was just amazing, right? And and. You know, he probably had the greatest impact on my career uh, because I was like, I always knew I wanted to be an actor. He just, he used to lead those trips to New York. You know, I got mm -hmm. to come on them. Uh, that was my first trip to New York. We saw all those plays. Like, that was huge that, like, in high school you could do that, right? I didn't know you could, I didn't know you can go to New York and go see plays and, you know. So that was, that was huge. And then, um, you know, Barbara Reback, you know, she and I were, she was, she was the French teacher and she and I mm -hmm. butted heads constantly. We were like, you know, with each other. And, uh, and then she led our, uh, bandolier group and oh. we were the group that famously got in trouble for losing the spice kit. It was this big drama. Oh, where's the spice kit? We lost the spice kit, blah, blah, blah. And she ragged on us all the way back. And then and then I remember very vividly, it was so funny, because I think like it was the first week back and it's lunchtime and she goes up and makes an announcement. And she says, I just want to let everyone know when I got home and unpacked, I had the spice kit. <laughs> Amazing. It was in the bottom of her pack, right? Um, but like, it was funny because you know we had that. We were both really strong-headed people, right? And she was my French teacher, and I loved French. Um, but and we butted heads, butted heads until we didn't. Until we just kind of like fell in love with each other. And uh, and she had such a huge impact on me because I did AP French language and AP French literature, and then I ended up majoring in French in college. Right. So like both of them, like it's crazy. Like I ended up double majoring in French and theater and I did both of those as careers. Like my very first job that brought me to New York that enabled me to, you know, get an apartment and live in New York was I worked as a French teacher at a girl's school on the Upper East Side. Um, and then I became an actor. So like literally, you know, Mickey and Barbara. like or <laughs> influential for Super sure. influential right <laughs> like you know within within the first year of graduating college i was professionally doing both of those things you know yeah. she had cool. such this amazing kind of salt and pepper gray hair like her hair is just i just think of her hair yeah right yeah and another interesting <laughs> connection with barbara reback is that so um i think you both might know but other people may not know but my mother has been on a spiritual journey for many, many years and reclaimed our Judaism, right? We were of the many, many and increasing number of uh, old New Mexico Spanish families that have discovered that we were crypto Jews. You know, we were Sephardic conversos and most of us lost it. Some of us kept it in our families. It was secret. It was a big deal. You know, my grandfather on his deathbed told my mother that we were Jews and it was this big deal for her. And she had this reawakening and came back to it. And, you know, and then she and Barbara were members of the same synagogue, right? So it was cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, there's a lot of cool connections there. 
Wow. When you think back um, to your your Albuquerque days, what was your favorite hangout spot, either on campus or it could be something that you a place you hung out? Off well, so on campus was the green room at the at the little theater because, of course, it had the Coke machine and the candy wow. bar machine. Right? And it was like that that hub was amazing because it was backstage. It was where we hung out. There was the makeup room. There was the costume thing. Like, you know, that was just our hangout. You know, I remember uh, one day, one day, Susan Stokem and I were just hanging out in the makeup room and she she um the door i think this was my fault i think that i closed the door on her finger and she had this cast on her finger for like six months you know because she broke her finger <laughs> so every time we every time she and i remember that we're like oh there's the makeup room door <laughs> wow. so that was my favorite place on campus off campus you know i think I, everyone will probably say dion's um but i you know again i wasn't like I wasn't hanging out at Dion's really, but when I could, I thought it was cool. Like, okay, let's go to Dion's. You bet. Got to have that ranch dressing. I know, right? <laughs> Do you have a regret from high school? No. I mean, I, I suppose I could make one. I could be like, I could really think about it and go, yeah, I would have liked to have done this or that. But no, I'm not, I don't live with a regret from like, there's nothing I was like, oh, damn, I, I wish I hadn't done that or I wish I had done. There are things like I wish I could take back, you know, just like stupid shit that oh. people say and things that I know, hurt. like there's one thing in particular that I think really hurt someone um, that I wish I could have taken back. Like, I wish I just never said it. So I guess, yeah, in that sense, in that sense, that's a regret. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you may have mentioned this before, but in, in sort of this idea of not having to overachieve, but if you could go back to yourself in high school and tell yourself something about the future or give yourself some advice, is there anything else you would say to Mark of the class of 89? Mm. Yeah, it would literally just be don't try so hard. Yeah, don't try so hard. Relax. Enjoy enjoy a little more of this. Like like go to some more parties and don't feel weird. Don't feel like you're the weirdo. Like just go and enjoy yourself. Mhm. Mm Great advice. Well, this is our last question for you. Okay. What what would be the title of your high school memoir? <laughs> spaz and I'm, okay look i know that's we're not supposed to use that word it's one of the many words that we're not supposed to use anymore but in the 80s i was a spaz right yeah what was the name there was a guy who was my senior leader on my bandolier group Ed Hawkins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally just saw and what uh, his nickname Spaz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I I was I was looking at his Instagram today because he he posted that he got a he got a like from downtown Julie Brown uh, uh, on on his on one of his tweets or something like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, Ed Hawkins. Wow. Yeah. So fun. Carla, is there anything else that um, that we want to make sure to cover, or Mark, anything else? Yeah, I guess we talk about. 
Yeah. Or, you know, maybe what is next for you? You're thinking about this with your, your Yale class. Maybe that's a nice way to end, which is just, we've looked, we've done today. We've done looking back. Yeah. I think, you know, what's next, it, what's next is, is just um, more building, you know, like building, building something, you know, I, when, when you're someone who has done whatever and like been a freelancer and had that kind of independence, you know, I think a lot of, our compatriots have done the corporate jobs and have built a lot already. And obviously those of you who have kids, you know, you've spent all your energy and your focus and your attention on your kids and you're sending them to college. You know, I've been a freelancer and a New Yorker for 30 years. And I've also been a renter for 30 years. And it's like, you know, it's time to actually buy property and buying an apartment in New York is a big friggin' deal, <laughs> but that's what's next. Oh, like yeah. we're ready for for that's like yeah. the next step. Let's like let's buy some real estate in New York. Yeah. Stop renting. You know, I mean, it's, it sounds kind of crazy, right? At the age of fifty-two, oh, I'll be a first-time home buyer. But that's what's next for me. You know, that's yeah. awesome. That's exciting. That's Good awesome. luck with the search. Yeah, yeah. We've we've got we've got some we've got some prospects. Yeah. Do you think you and Eldar will agree on on the criteria for the house <laughs> no well we've, we've already agreed it's that is that if it's something we can afford he gets to make all the decisions nice. that's, the, that's the agreement <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting a feeling for why your relationship has been so successful yeah, yeah there, there has to be a, a, a male equivalent to happy wife happy life i don't know what the what, what it's based on that you know just <laughs> Well, Unless it's a big thing, do whatever your spouse wants. Well, I'm so happy to hear how happy your life is. What a treat to catch up with yeah, you. And this is fun. Love hearing your reflection. And I really can't wait to hear you do this with more of our classmates. And I want to hear what they have to say. That's going to be fun. Excited. We're excited to try to get as many people to do it. And we're going to hold off on releasing them for at least a little bit. And then we'll, we'll release... Once we do a few, we'll release them. And, um, you know, I think it's just so wonderful to hear all the stories yeah. and where people. And then more people so. will want to do it if they hear it. But but I, I like that strategy. Yeah. Let's let's interview okay. a bunch of You're people right. first. Yeah. Well, you know, we only have about 18 months until our. Our, our 35th. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Which means that yeah. when it's our 35th reunion, for some of us, it will have been 42 years since we've been going, since we knew each other, since we started going to school together. And I know some people went to elementary school together even, so that's even longer. But yeah. but for, yeah. for anyone who started in sixth grade and graduated in 89, that will be 42 years that we've known each other. It's crazy. Is there, is there someone, I mean, we have a list of people, but you know, we always like suggestions. Is there someone that you think we should interview next no there's no. yeah no, I, everyone yeah. every like every, every single person in every. our class i'm like that's an interesting person right um and you know i think it would yeah. be cool if you could find the, we have a few people who are who are un have not been around have not you know the unfindables if you could find them and interview them it would be great you know yeah, wouldn't that be I fun? think it would be cool. But, you know, everyone is so, so has had such interesting. And you know what's really cool is on Facebook, seeing what people's kids are doing. 
Like that's interesting <laughs> for me who, you know, who doesn't have a kid. Yeah. It's like, oh my yeah. gosh, these people are up to such interesting things. Like their kids are up to interesting things. Like I want to know that kid, yeah. you know. <laughs> More to come, yeah. I hope. Yeah. So you please, know? I hope everyone yeah. uh, participates because this is a lot of fun. Oh, good. Well, it's so yeah, good to see likewise. you. Yeah, likewise. Great to see you, Mark. Thank you so much for spending your evening Absolutely. with us. Absolutely. Okay. Jessica and Carla's High School Reunion is written, directed, and edited by Carla Silver and Jessica Slade. Our theme music, True Sight, is by Jared Matt Greenberg. Please subscribe and listen on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.